0: Chapter 9 of the life story of a russian exile by Marie Sukloff translated by Gregory Yaros. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter 9. A few moments after the train left irkutsk, I began to feel sick. I lay helpless on my cot, and melancholy thoughts passed through my mind. Oh, God! oh god when will all this come to an end i asked out loud when i heard my own voice it seemed to me that i was going mad the pain i felt was so severe that i bit my lips in order not to cry aloud suddenly my eyes fell on my travelling bag i remembered that it contained drugs and other things which i as a sister had to carry with me with unsteady hands i opened the bag and found a bottle of opium i took several drops and lay down again i must have fallen asleep soon after when i opened my eyes the train guard was standing near my cot miss he said there is something the matter with the woman in the next car won't you be so kind and take a look at her day was beginning to dawn and sky and earth were shrouded in a bluish mist at first i did not know where i was but gradually my thoughts cleared i felt my head my hands as i did not believe that i the being who was to be immured in a remote siberian prison for life was now actually riding in this train and absolutely free springing up from my cot i put my burning forehead to the wet windowpane the thought came to me i can open the window and i repeated aloud i can open the window rejoicing like a child i hastily pulled up the window and thrust out my head The cool morning air blew in my face the train was moving at great speed and the very wheels seemed to grind out the words you are free you are free peering into the bluish mist i saw a wide field covered with drops of golden dew from afar came the singing of peasant women on their way to work in the field all at once i recalled the words of the train guard what about the woman picking up several drugs such as peppermint drops and bromide i went into the next car which was of the third class the sight that greeted my eye there made me forget all the wonderful beauties of nature amid a multitude of dirty bundles of all sizes and descriptions there sat and lay russian peasants men and women together they had emigrated from european russia and were going to their new homes somewhere near Vladivostok. most of them were fast asleep in a corner a woman sat she was swaying to and fro and moaning in a subdued voice what is the matter with you my dear i asked the woman stared at me with a far-away look and said nothing her expression frightened me what is the matter with you i repeated but she was silent and only looked at me with dull eyes then upon observing her figure closely i understood and everything grew cold within me cold drops of perspiration stood out on my forehead what shall i do i asked myself i went back into my car and examined the timetable it was still about six hours to the nearest town there was nothing for me to do but to take the woman to my compartment i hastened back to her can you come with me i asked her she got up and leaned heavily on my arm then we slowly moved into my car before i left the irkutsk prison i had learned to assist women in childbirth the prison nurse lived far away in the city and as the women prisoners in most cases gave birth to their children at night the child was generally born before the nurse could be summoned willy-nilly we had to become practical midwives there i was not alone there were other women there who knew far more about it than i did but here all the responsibility for the life of the unfortunate woman and her unborn child rested on me the groans of the woman made my heart bleed and i felt as if i were committing some heinous crime i tried my utmost to remain outwardly calm to encourage the patient i undressed her and in the absence of warm water washed her with alcohol and put her on the cot have you had any children i asked her when the paroxysm of pain subsided four she replied i felt relieved as i knew it would then be easier for her and who attended you in all those cases she smiled feebly and answered dear miss it is very simple with us peasants we give birth whichever way it pleases god in my bag i found cotton gauze obstetric scissors and thread i knew theoretically all that had to be done in such cases but would i be able to apply my knowledge satisfactorily and what if everything might not go well these questions greatly worried me I kissed the woman and patted her, but she shrieked more and more frequently. Suddenly she uttered a terrible cry. If I could only pray, I thought, if I had only believed, as in my childhood, that God would hear me, I would have fallen on my knees and implored him to help me now. The cries of the woman continued to grow louder and louder, and her voice did not seem human. And then something happened. I don't know how it came about my brain began to think clearly only when i heard the feeble squeak of the infant the mother quieted down and began to cross herself soon we arrived at the station and summoned a cab i held the newly born baby wrapped in my underclothing it was suddenly hard for me to part with that child an unfamiliar feeling had awakened in my heart never before had i thought of a mother's feelings i hardly slept the following night and whenever i dozed off i heard the cries of the woman and the whole picture of the birth pass through my memory it made me forget my position for a while on the next day at four o'clock we arrived at the station manchuria on the manchurian frontier i went to the appointed place and met there my friend a young woman she had come earlier and was waiting for me i returned to her the passport which she was to deliver to its owner and narrated all that had happened to me on the road she was greatly amused and laughed heartily we bade each other good-bye and i went to the lodging which had been prepared for me in that little town i had to wait for my comrade who was to help me cross the border into manchuria he had to get a passport and money i stopped at the house of a polish woman who knew nothing about me my friends had invented a very romantic story for her benefit telling her i had run away because i wanted to marry a man of whom my parents did not approve she sympathized with all such cases because she herself had run away from home and secretly married her present husband she held whispered conversations with me offering advice as to how best to have the ceremony performed and where to go afterwards are you quite sure that your fiance will come she asked me on the second day oh yes i assured her at last my comrade came and we began to lay our plans it is very difficult to get across the border and our task was not a light one when a train arrives at the frontier station the gendarmes lock all the cars and examine the passports i had reason to fear such an examination as among the gendarmes there might be disguised spies who knew me moreover the passport procured by my comrade was a forged one he had not succeeded in getting a suitable document it was necessary to invent some scheme whereby we could lessen the risk of being recognized the polish woman with whom we were stopping helped us she went to the railroad station and reserved for us a first-class coupe i and my comrade dressed up as though for a wedding my face was covered with a white veil which reached far down my back and my dress had a long train this costume made me look much taller and slimmer than i really was two splendid carriages came to take us to the station in one i sat with my comrade and in the other the polish woman with her husband at the station the porters cleared the way for us with a show of great respect and in a few seconds we were seated in our coupe but the main difficulty was yet to be overcome there remained about fifteen minutes before starting we heard the noise of closing doors and the clinking of spurs my heart began to beat violently and i thought what if i should be recognized my comrade would pay dearly for his effort to help me he too had run away from his place of exile and for his escape he would have been sentenced to four years of hard labor the fact that he would have been caught in my company would aggravate his offence this man had known me in odessa when i was only seventeen he as is not unusual among revolutionists in russia sacrificed a great deal for me he gave up a lucrative position with a gold-mining concern in siberia which he did not expect to get back and left his wife whom he dearly loved she too had known me in odessa and gladly consented to let her husband accompany me on this dangerous journey my comrade held in his hand the necessary documents the passport certificates of birth and the certificate of marriage all forged by himself a few hours before i stood with my face to the window and my back to the door there came a knock and the door opened an officer of the frontier guards entered accompanied by several gendarmes my comrade answered in a calm voice all the questions put to him by the officer we are on our honeymoon trip to japan and expect to be back in three months i heard him say the officer turned the bundle of documents in his hands evidently not knowing what to examine first the time was limited casting a hasty glance around our coupe they went out without having examined a single document When the door closed after them i looked gratefully at my comrade and he shook my hands with great feeling a few minutes later the train started after thirty-six hours of travel we arrived at carbine i was not well enough to continue our journey without a rest my health was growing worse and worse as a result of my early start after the operation having rested two days in that city we went to dieren formerly the russian city of dalny i did not have sufficient funds to go on to europe and we waited three weeks in dairen until we received money from russia in those three weeks my health improved remarkably manchurian scenery greatly impressed me with the splendour of its wonderful colours for days i sat on the shore of the yellow sea enjoying the sight of the sparkling waters when the air was hot i bathed in the sea and every touch of the mighty waves added vigour to my regenerated body in those wonderful days when the sun of the orient warmed me with its soft rays i thought there could not be a being happier than myself i was free free from so many chains and it seemed to me that the stormy sea alone had in it its power to penetrate into the depths of my soul and heal all my bleeding wounds only at the sea i found absolute peace never before had i felt so much love there was no hatred in my heart i loved each and all the feeling of love was stronger than myself i couldn't understand what was going on within me in sheer paroxysms of delight i would throw myself on the ground which was covered with soft grass my body trembled from the contact with the soil in those moments i forgot everything and through my memory passed the pictures of my native hills and fields in the midst of which i was born and raised we received the money we were expecting and decided to go to shanghai china where i could get a steamer direct to europe at eleven o'clock in the morning of a sunny day we sailed from dairen on a japanese steamer soon the strains of a march reached our ears it was the call for lunch when i with my companion came to the dining-room all the passengers already were at the table directly opposite me sat an old woman who tried to explain something in german to a chinese waiter i do not know until now in what way she resembled my mother but as soon as my eyes fell on her gray hair i had a vivid recollection of my mother i felt happy when during the meal i could guess her wishes and satisfy them my mother is just as old and just as grey perhaps i thought looking at the old woman and my heart filled with love for the stranger without finishing her lunch she retired to her cabin as the steamer was beginning to rock quite perceptibly and she felt sick in the afternoon the sea became stormy big waves rolled so high that our little steamer at times disappeared in the foam it grew dark and almost all the passengers went to their cabins i was not seasick and seeing the sufferings of my comrade and others i greatly pitied them i remembered the old woman and asked a chinese steward to take me to her she was in bed and suffering intensely she wept like a child and prayed to god to take her to heaven i knelt near her bed and held her head in my hands i don't know how long i remained in that posture the voice of my comrade roused me from my stupor where in heaven are you marie he called to me in dissatisfied tones go to your room you will fall ill yourself don't forget your own situation i obeyed but returned in ten minutes and directed them to put a cot for me in the woman's room i stayed with her the whole night in the morning the sea quieted down and she felt better she looked at me with a very grateful expression in her eyes and asked who i was and where i was going i told her that i was travelling with my husband after our marriage when the steamer neared shanghai the woman found me and said you have been like a daughter to me and i want to be of service to you i live in a fine large house and would be very glad to have you and your husband stop with me i mentioned something about a hotel why go to a hotel she interrupted that will cost you a lot of money if you don't want to stop with me because i will not accept money from you you may pay me i agreed disregarding the protests of my comrade i could see nothing suspicious in her inviting me to her house on the way there we found that a german steamer would be in shanghai two weeks later and we really could not spare much money for hotel accommodations the room in which we were put up was on the same floor with a woman's own apartment only a small hall-room separated us to one side of the door stood a bed and to the other a table a couch on which my noble and unselfish companion was to spend the night stood in a corner we hung up our things on the door and on the table we put my handbag containing my diary and some money my comrade's watch and some other articles the door was locked in the morning when my comrade got up he found that all our things had disappeared the door as well as the window remained locked how was the theft to be explained there could be no doubt that our things were stolen by someone of the household i was in great fear lest my identity should be discovered from my diary we knew that while in shanghai we were not safe as the chinese police could deliver us into the hands of the russian consul the moment our presence in shanghai was discovered i dressed immediately and summoned the woman to my room my comrade questioned her about the mysterious theft in her house you are inventing it she fairly shouted at him there could be no such thing as a theft in my house i know who you are and what your business is she shrieked in angry tones my comrade grew pale before i could realize it he had grabbed her by the shoulders and threw her out of the room she fell heavily on the threshold i placed myself between them and begged my comrade to calm himself the woman lay on the floor yelling and cursing him in most violent language she threatened to go to the russian consul and denounce him as a white slaver my comrade was a powerful man and of a very excitable temper and i saw that if the woman did not leave immediately he could choke her to death i dragged her away from the threshold and closed the door i shall come to you presently i tried to quiet her for god's sake don't go to the consul well we got in here mighty bad remarked my comrade to me when i returned to our room and we must get out of this hole without losing a moment's time what if the woman should report us to the consul and we should be arrested i asked myself i had not the slightest idea what she meant when she shouted to my comrade that he was a white slaver my mind was busy with the thought of how to regain possession of my diary which was a direct proof of my identity i decided to talk it over with a woman myself without saying anything to my comrade of my intention i went to her she evidently was waiting for me she led me through many rooms and finally we came to a luxuriously furnished drawing-room she locked the door and put the key in her pocket well dearie she began in a very soft voice you must remain with me you needn't go where he sends you you will be getting much more money here these dreadful words frightened me you are greatly mistaken in what you think of me i said i am an honest girl and nobody sends me anywhere don't deny it she insisted i can see that in your eyes you she began to speak very warmly you yourself don't understand your charms you are a real treasure and i will give you all the money you may wish You will live here like a queen you see all this will be yours she opened a wardrobe and began to pile on the floor expensive dresses of different colours and design she looked at me so queerly that i began to tremble i felt as if she were undressing me still better if you are an honest girl i watched you and i know that you are honest and the better it will be for you the more money you will get how shall i escape from here i asked myself will i be able to take the key from her by force or shall i break the window and jump from the second story or would it be better perhaps to cry out so that my comrade can hear me i hesitated not knowing what means of escape to choose at last a happy idea struck me i took out all the money i kept in my corsage there must have been about four hundred roubles look here i said all this money will be yours her eyes began to sparkle i swear to you i continued that before you will have a chance to sell my body i shall kill myself you are an old grey-haired woman and you have lived a great many years in this world is it possible that you can't tell me from those unfortunate women with whom you have had to deal give me back my papers i know that they are of no value to you but to me they are everything and let me out of your house the woman stood silent but her face showed signs of hesitation i can't report you to the consul i went on because i am a political and have no real passport consequently you do not risk anything by letting me go give me the money said the woman without looking at me give me first my papers i don't trust you i ventured she unlocked the door and we went into the same room where i had found her she returned to me my bag with all the papers in it intact and i gave her all the money i had with me my comrade was beginning to feel uneasy at my long absence he was pacing up and down the room when i opened the door i entered and without saying a word showed him my diary he felt greatly relieved we hastily packed our things and went to the railroad station there we changed our cab and drove to a hotel in another part of the city after four weeks of anxious waiting we succeeded at last in getting some more money from russia but not sufficient to pay for second cabin passage and i had to travel in the steerage the impressions of those four weeks in china are still fresh in my memory i have seen and experienced all sorts of misery in my life i have suffered much want and privation but what i saw there was worse than anything i could imagine it is not enough to say that the chinese live in poverty to understand the awful conditions of their life one must see them with one's own eyes i used to go to the market and see what food a chinese woman buys for a family of five or six for a whole day's supply a little rice a few nuts and a couple of tomatoes that's all for all this she spends three cents their houses are not any better than dog kennels in russia there are hundreds of families who live on floats where they work and sleep and where their children are born and raised nowhere else have i seen so many beggars on some streets they sit in companies of a dozen and more labour in china is terribly underpaid for a whole day's work a chinese labourer sometimes receives four cents a jinrikisha man drives you the greatest distance for five cents and he runs faster than a horse the chinese go about almost naked and the only thing they work for all their lives is a piece of bread of which they never have enough and yet the load that a chinaman can carry on his back is beyond description the hotel in which i stopped was located near the port and day and night i could hear the heart-rending groans called singing with which the longshoremen enliven their task prostitution is practised without restraint in china and women are traded like horses i was glad to leave that country having bid good-bye to my comrade i sailed on a german steamer bound for genoa as i spoke nothing but russian and understood a little german all the steerage passengers most of whom were germans were greatly mystified by my silence who is this girl with a pale face and sparkling eyes who looks all day at the sea they used to ask the stewards and one another and every one of them stared insolently at me oh how i hated them for their curious stares But whenever they forgot about my presence, I remained alone with the sea and listened to the wonderful music of the waves. For days and days I sat looking on the water, and only then I realized that I was free, that my freedom was a living reality, not a dream. But as soon as I felt that I was free, the old wounds reopened in my heart. Memories of the past, day after day and year after year, rose in my mind and whispered to me there can be no freedom for you after all that you have gone through after all that you know there can be no freedom for you when all your best and dearest friends have remained in the world of shadows and stone walls in the world of torture and humiliation there can be no freedom for you a sudden change came over everything the melodious music of the calm waves turned into a storm it grew dark and our gigantic steamer was thrown about like a shell by the storming seas go back go back there whence you came roared the sea your life no more belongs to you you have saved yourself not for your own sake you must either free them all or be with them i ran about the deck my face burned where am i going and why i asked myself the sea and skies became red like the blood of my martyred comrades the music in my heart ceased and the thought of my freedom no longer agitated me the decision to go back to them and continue that for which they perished was slowly forming in my mind and all through the rest of the journey it was uppermost in my thoughts the jungles of india the red sea the green coasts of africa and the bare desert of arabia the suez canal and the beautiful skies of italy all those wonders of nature did not for a minute change my resolution did not weaken my desire to go back and throw myself again into the unequal struggle end of chapter 9 recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of the life story of a russian exile by marie Sukloff, translated by gregory yaros